Are you ready to go the distance? Go the distance. When you're nearing retirement, it's essential that you have a written plan and know exactly how the plan will work. Life's about choosing where you want to go and mapping out a financial plan to get you there. The one thing you need is a plan. So what's the plan? Plan! Right now, plan! An experienced financial advisor can help you avoid potential hazards and find alternative routes. We pride ourselves in being different from other financial planning firms. During your initial consultation, we will get to know you and give you the chance to get to know us. Our friendly staff will make you feel comfortable the moment you walk in the door. Call Mark Eels at EFS Wealth Management, 712-224-4651, 712-224-4651, or log on to EFS4U.com, EFS, the number 4U.com. This is Mark from Mark on Money, and today we're going to talk about how to budget and go from acquisition mode to distribution mode. And now, live from the heart of Sioux City, Mark on Money, with your host, Mark Gills. The key is having a plan in place, knowing what you're going to do, a place where your retirement questions are answered. You could be putting tens of thousands in jeopardy. You'll get the latest news on 401ks and retirement planning. It can make a profound difference with what you can and can't afford in retirement. If you've got questions on how to properly structure your assets and build retirement income, you're in the right place. Welcome in to Mark on Money. Hey, welcome in, everybody. This is Mark on Money with Mark Eels. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Mark is a certified financial planner. He's an independent, a fiduciary, been helping folks for more than 30 years. Find him at EFS Wealth Management. That's EFS, the number four, the letter U.com, the website. Check that out as well. And uh, I, I like it. All right, Mark, you, you, you we're talking about getting there and uh, budgeting and, and how to make sure we stay on track. Yeah, it's just kind of, you know, getting into that uh, retirement frame of mind. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I love to budget money. Do you? No. <laughs> I was just, just going to say, a, you, you'd be the exception, not the rule. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it, nobody nobody likes to do that. Although maybe some people are spreadsheet nerds. Yes. You know, I'm a spreadsheet nerd, but I, I, just, I just hate budgeting money. Um, You know, but one of the things I always tell people is, is uh, you don't really need to budget as long as you take care of the unexpected expenses. So let me explain that. Um, you know, if if you go way back, and you know, it used to be before the age of electronic distributions and so, so forth, and ACHs and and just the ease of of online banking. Um, if you can remember back, you'd have you know glass jars so you'd go and you'd cash your paycheck and you'd have glass jars and maybe you'd put five dollars into the um the christmas fund you'd put ten dollars into the car fund you'd put you know twenty dollars into the vacation fund you'd have all these different glass jars that you'd put cash into or maybe they were envelopes oh sure you know some people did that and and that's and, and that's really to me one of the best ways to budget money and i and i've worked with a lot of people over the years that have uh done it that way and today the easiest way to do it 
is you just simply, you know, everything's getting deposited into one bank account. And so what you do is you just set up multiple savings accounts um, or maybe even multiple checking accounts. I don't know. That'd be kind of crazy to have that many different checking accounts, but multiple savings accounts. And then you can title each one of them. And so maybe one of them's titled, you know, car repair expenses and new purchase. Another one's maybe home repairs, remodeling. Another one's clothing. Another one's maybe insurance if it doesn't come due once a year. And so what you're looking for is just budgeting all of those expenses that don't occur monthly. And by keeping track of that, you are essentially creating a budget that's workable that will help get you to where you need to be. Right. And and the beauty of doing that is once you have all of the irregular expenses taken care of and the money set aside, you can spend everything else that is in your checking account and you shouldn't ever run out of money. So if the refrigerator breaks and you need a new refrigerator, you should have a fund that's set aside that that money's already there. And it's like, oh, all right, well, well, let's go to this fund. We've set this money aside in preparation for this, or you need new tires on the car, or you go shopping and you get new clothes because who goes shopping every month for clothes? Maybe it's a, you know, once a quarter or a couple times a year, you go out and you buy new clothes and there's money in that fund or vacation. You know, you go on vacation maybe twice a year or three times a year. And, and, you know, there's money set aside in that vacation fund and, and maybe you put the vacation on the credit card like most of us do, but mm-hmm. that money's there to pay for the vacation. Not only that, but it keeps you in line of what you have to spend in each one of those different categories so you're not overspending and not having to go out and borrow money because of one of those unexpected expenses. You make it sound so simple, Mark. Is it really that simple? It is that simple. It's a little bit tedious to try to figure out you know, what those unexpected expenses are going to look like. Cause it's, so it's going to take some time. Um, but first you take in what you're getting for cash flow for the month. So let's say, you know, you're bringing in five, $6,000 a month of deposits into your account. Well, then you, you just budget that money out. You know what your monthly expenses are, you know, whether it's, you know, utilities, cable, cell phone, groceries, gas, you know, you know, going out to eat, you know, those types of things that that just simply occur every month. Well, and then you've got all the excess that you should be able to put into those different various buckets that are not occurring each month and just kind of adjust those as time goes on. So if you have an have a expense that seems like it's a, it's occurring more frequently and there's not enough money into that one um non-monthly budget bucket, maybe it's maybe you need to put a few extra dollars into it. Sure. So it'll take some time to just kind of figure out what exactly, but it works. Works really, really good. Sure. Well, and again, th- those are the kinds of things that you do with folks every day, you know, and what you've been doing for a long time. Right now, though, things feel different because we're dealing with inflation. Um, there's, you know, a lot of volatility in the market. Do we do things differently because of that? Well, I think that it's what what is this saying? Um, things change, but things stay the same. No, that's true. Um, and so, the retirement planning that we do for individuals, I think, um, have stayed the same, and we really haven't changed anything. Uh, we've already taken into account, and and we're expecting inflation. We hadn't had any, and so now inflation is here, but 
are retirees that are in the uh, time-segmented distribution strategy have the money available to make up the differences for the increased cost because it had already been factored into their retirement distribution. And so going forward, I think, is the question. And I think the, the, the problem is always that people make is they go back and they say, well, we need to you know, expect higher inflation and we need to expect this based upon what we're seeing now. And it's kind of like saying, well, the stock market is down 20%, so we're going to leave our money in cash now because we expect to you know, increase volatility and maybe more. To, well, no, you should have done that six months ago. So the cat's already out of the bag. You don't, you don't now change because of something that already has happened and, and expect that to continue to happen in the future. Um, you know, that, that's crazy. You don't you just don't do those kind of things. You plan for what my my grandma would say is the worst case scenario, and you hope for the best, and you wind up probably somewhere in the middle. Okay. So again, inflation. You don't plan for worst case scenario. You don't plan for inflation. You know, continuing to elevate to these kinds of levels going forward. You don't plan for a six percent inflation rate through retirement because then none none of us can retire. Um, that just would never happen, and, and I don't believe that's what the case is going to be either. Do you and see so again? You plan for the worst, you figure for the best, and you wind up somewhere in the middle. Ideally, yes. I mean, do you see where do you see inflation going? Where do you see the stock market going? You got a gut instinct on any of this? Yeah, it, you know, say, let's let's say you know inflation right now is at six percent. Okay? okay, so let's say a year from now. Prices are exactly the same as where they are today. What's inflation then? Zero, right? Okay, sure. All right. So, you know, if you have a big spike in inflation, you're in the longer numbers don't, and, and we're not seeing those numbers continue to go up. Lumber prices, has anybody talked about lumber prices? Do you even know what's going on with lumber? Oh, sure. Yeah. So what's, I, what's going on with lumber? Lum prices are way up. No, they're no. down. They're down fifty percent, Steve. Wow, fifty. So that's what. Have you heard any of that on the news? No, no we haven't heard Look, any of that. Lumber peaked at fourteen hundred um, per per board foot. Okay. Uh huh. You know where lumber prices are as of yesterday? Six hundred. They wow. have they have just literally crashed. So what do you think that's going to do to inflation if lumber prices are down 50%? You think that's going to have a little bit of an impact going forward? I think forward? it might. Well, I yeah. think it might have a positive impact going forward, obviously. Well, yeah, you know, and and really the where lumber prices should have been, should be is probably around 700 or so, but it's significantly below that. So now we've, you know, it's, the pendulum always swings back and forth from one extreme to the next. So if gasoline a year from now, what do you think gas is going to be at? Still at $5 a gallon? I hope not. <laughs> well, you wouldn't think so because the longer it stays up, the more production is going to be brought on to online um, and people are going to adjust their driving habits and so forth and so on. And so if gas prices just simply stay where they are, what's that impact on inflation so energy doesn't go up over the last over the next 12 months it stays exactly where it is well that's zero that's zero. a zero percent inflation rate sure so here's what so people just don't understand that they don't think through that you know if gas prices went to six dollars 
a uh, gallon, um, well, then, yeah, that's, that's going to impact probably inflation a year from now. But we don't see that happening for a number of reasons. Um, because companies will make profits. They can make lots of money by pumping more oil. And I think if, if gas prices stay <clears throat> where it is, and it looks like they're going to stay where it is, then companies are going to increase production, production substantially. And so that'll happen. Um, you know, just like what we've seen as interest rates have gone up and lumber prices have crashed, um, that's going to have an impact, you know, on inflation as well. But that means, um, so you mentioned that, yeah, you're right, you're not seeing that in the news at all. You're no. seeing the constant gloom and doom that and, keeps and, moving that forward. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing, oh, and I don't know if you've seen it around where you live, um, but where where I live, they have just built a ton of apartments. I mean, just an unbelievable amount of apartments. I mean, probably, um, you know, I don't know. It just seems like there's just apartment buildings everywhere. Yeah. And so now what I'm hearing is is that these apartment buildings are not getting rented. You know, there's just there's so what's happening probably is people are just choosing um, to maybe stay in their mom and dad's basement instead of moving out and renting apartments, you know, or they graduate from college and they don't go out and get an apartment because it's too expensive. And so I think what you're going to see is these apartment rents have come up across the country, but there's going to be vacancies and those apartments aren't going to get filled because there's been overbuilding that's been happening because interest rates were so dirt cheap. So you build apartment buildings and you finance it at 4% or 3%. And, you know, these companies, you know, just like just like around where I live, you know, cattle uh, farmers, the boom and bust, you know, say if I can make, you know, if I can make, you know, a hundred thousand dollars off of, you know, five hundred cows, I can make, you know, two hundred thousand off of a thousand and and two hundred thousand off of two thousand. Um, and then all of a sudden grain prices go up and there's all kinds of bankruptcies everywhere. So there's boom and bust cycles in everything, and I think you're, that's what's going to happen in the inflation environment as you look back and you look back over over what's going on. We expect, expect inflation to moderate by the end of the year. We're looking at the people that we, we're listening to in terms of our uh, economists and money managers and so forth. Um, inflation going back to around 25 to 3% by the end of the year. And next year being under three percent. Okay, wow. Back to in the range where the Fed is going to be comfortable with it. We don't see interest rates going up more than maybe another couple couple interest rate raises, maybe two or three, and then that'll be it. So I think we look at the ten year, it the ten year Treasury note, which is really what a lot of mortgages, uh, financial products, and so forth are priced at. We look at that ending the year somewhere around three and a quarter percent yield curve flattening out, um, probably not inverting again. Uh, we don't see a recession, uh, at least in the near term. You know, you can always say, well, there's going to be a recession a couple of years out and then six months from now, a couple of years out. And eventually you're going to be right. I mean, that's just the business cycle. I mean, you go through periods of, of you know, um, Recession, you mm -hmm. know, boom, bust, growth, recession. Um, that's just the economic cycle. But we don't see it here um, coming up because I think, you know, inflation is going to moderate. The Fed's going to stop in raising interest rates. And the other flip side of the coin is, is you know, interest rates, yeah, there's, there's a slightly negative 
uh, impact on businesses, but most businesses have all refinanced and their balance sheets are looking just phenomenal in terms of, of cash on, on hand to continue to grow and expand. And, you know, as interest rates go up, guess what? People are going to make more money on savings because, you know, if you're getting, you know, 0.5% on CDs a year ago over the last decade, now you can get two and a half, three percent 3%. Well, what does that do to the consumers, the older people who are more conservative? Well, they've got more interest to spend now. So, yeah, businesses might become a little bit more um, expensive to finance some of their projects, but individuals are going to earn more interest and make more money. And they're going to have more money to spend. And what drives their economy? Spending. The consumer. Yeah. Yes, the consumer. Well, I mean, so. here's the thing. All right, Mark. I'm going to make a note of this because a year from now, so next June, June 2023, we're going to play this back and see how right you are. Because you've, you've been right. I mean, as long as we've been together, Mark, and you've made these kinds of statements, you've been right virtually every time. It's common sense. Well, know, true. And, and, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. And uh, my at, my magic eight ball broke, you know, a number <laughs> years of years ago. ago. Yes. So, um, but that's that's what I think, you know. So, well, that's what thirty plus years from will an do economic for you. outlook and what what we look at, um, you know. But let's get back to the topic, which is how do you go from accumulation to distribution? And you know, if you do go to our website, and I would encourage you to do that. Um, EFS, the number four, the letter U, and watch the video. There's a there's an 18-minute video on there that explains time-segmented distribution and how do you basically like the budgeting, you know, where you put your money into different buckets for the unexpected expenses. In time-segmented distribution, you're putting your money into different time frames so that you know the money is going to be there and so the first time frame or the first bucket, you can spend it all. And you don't have to worry because you've already put money aside into the next time segment in five years, the next segment in 10 years and 15 years and 20 years. You've set that money aside for future income needs in retirement. So you don't have to worry that you're going to run out of money because it's literally impossible to run out of money if you have money sitting there that's invested for 15 years and you know where it is and you don't touch it well 15 years from now there's still going to be something in that bucket it's not going to be zero yeah you know, there's going to be something there and then we put in an expected return in that future income segment you know whatever that future return is that you're comfortable with what we're using for future returns uh, is super conservative you know if the you, know, you look at what what the markets have averaged, you know, going through two huge, um, you know, downturns. And if, even if you include 2020 in it and you go back and you say, hey, you know what, we started in 2000, ran market returns through 2020, you know, you're, you're looking at about 7% average, 7 to 8% average returns uh, over that period of time, if you held for that entire period of time. You know, granted, the first decade, you didn't make much money because of the dot-com crash and the financial crisis, but the last 10 years have been pretty good. Yeah, certainly. And again, it's about, it's about time in the markets, you know, going forward. 
And, you know, our longer term buckets, you know, we're using 6% returns on the very ending buckets of money, which is way under long term market returns. And again, you know, we're, we're, we're not planning for the worst, you know, we're not planning for the best market returns, we're right in the middle. And so if we can get those types of returns on dollars, um, you know, 10 year, you know, 15 year bucket return segments of 5%, um, you know, everybody would be like, well, geez, you should be able to get 5%. And I would hope so too. And if we exceed those returns, that just means that there's margin for error. There's more money there. If things didn't go according to exact planning, then we do have some excess money there. I'd rather err on the side of caution than put money into an investment segment that's 15 years and put an 8% return projection on 15-year money. And then you run into a scenario like we saw the first 15 years of this decade or this century, I should say, and your return is 4%. Um, and then what do you do? Well, you've got to uh, change your standard of living at that point. So again, it's better to err on the conservative side, lower the, ex the, the expectations for returns. And if that funds your retirement through that conservative projection, then if markets return the average, you're going to be very well off. And that's kind of what we've done, you know, over time. So do you find that, you know, with things the way they are at this moment, uh, do you think, again, we're talking about that transition from acquisition to distribution preservation. Are people more hesitant to spend at this point? Are they saying, oh, maybe I better work a little longer? Maybe I better not spend this money? You know, I do see that. I do some see some people saying, well, I'll go out and get a second job, um, you know, working part-time, doing what you really like. Um, you know, I've got a retiree. I, he doesn't really need the money, but, you know, he uses it just to have some fun money to spend. He mows the lawn on a golf course, and he loves to mow, just loves to mow. He used to be an executive, and he just likes to mow grass. Well, that, that, there and, is something uh, very relaxing about that. There's not a lot of stress. You don't have to take it home with you. Right. He doesn't like to golf, but now he gets to enjoy the golf course out on the All mower. Right. Nice. So it's, you know, and I've got people that had, had one executive um, who was just a super analytical, fun person, uh, you know, made lots of money in the corporate world and went to work for Best Buy part-time because he liked people and he liked technology. And Best Buy gave him the opportunity to do both of those things. He, he, he kind of, he was looking at either going to work at like a Dick Sporting Goods store because he liked to golf mm -hmm. and liked sports or going to Best Buy. And he'd researched both companies and found out that those are two great companies to work for. And you know, he just decided the first one that offered him the job because he applied for both of them. That's the one he was going to work for. And it just happened to be Best Buy. And, uh, you know, he was, I don't know, probably in his upper 60s. And I think most of the people he worked with were in their 20s. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. And go to a Best so Buy, was, he said it was, that was really fun because he gave, got to kind of give them, you know, some of the wisdom that he had incurred over those years. Uh, and then they 
you know, kept him young, he said. Well, yeah, and, I can see how that would work. Yeah, and he was when he took the job, it was kind of funny story. He's just like, you know, I went through the interview process. They offered me the job, and he's like, great. And then the guy told him, he said, uh, well, don't you want to know what we're going to pay you? <laughs> and he said he didn't even think about it because it wasn't, he didn't really care. <laughs> it didn't he said he probably would have worked for nothing because um, he didn't need the money. He just wanted to go, you know, he just wanted to go and do something. Uh, didn't want to sit at home and watch Gunsmoke reruns. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, again, plus, you know, a place like Best Buy, you get to be on the cutting edge of all the uh, the new technology. That's kind of a fun thing. Yeah, he said, you know, they'd take, you know, whatever came out as the new iPad or whatever or the new iPhone, you know, he'd get to take it home. You know, they'd give it to him so he could take it home and use it when he wasn't at work and just play around with all the stuff. So whether it's laptops or that type of stuff, you know, he'd get to take it home and play with it. Well, that's you know? how you that's how you end up selling more. Right. You know the product. Yeah, you know how it works. Yeah. So, you know, working part time, you know, in retirement, you know, is definitely there's lots of jobs out there for people that want to uh, go do something. And, you know, again, I think it comes back to, you know, figuring out, you know, how to spend your retirement savings. It can be complicated. There's so many different ways out there. And I think a little bit of time, you know, and education, I don't, I don't think you need to become a guru. You know, I think you do need to spend some time, you know, looking at what are the different solutions out there to create retirement income. Right. You know, there's, an, there's annuity strategies, there's income segmentation strategies, there's the the 4% withdrawal rule, um, which is a, definitely a four-letter word to me, um, you know, that does not work. You know, it's not a good system. It's simplified. It works if the markets are all going up, um, but it doesn't work in volatile market situations where you have huge ups upside, it's huge downsides, um, and there's just no defined uh, there's no defined strategy there. Right, um, right. Yeah. So w what do you do? Do you, do you increase your income now by eight percent because of inflation and still continue to draw your 4%. So now you, you, you're going to take 12% out of your investment portfolio that's down, you know, 15%. Does that make sense? Because people that are following the 4% withdrawal rule, that's exactly what they're going to do to their portfolio. And you're going to increase withdrawals at the exact time that the markets are, are down 20% uh, across the board. I mean, your your bonds that are in your 60-40 portfolio of lost double-digit returns, your stocks have lost double-digit returns, and now you're going to start taking double-digit income out of your portfolio? Does that make sense? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't think so So either. that's why I don't like that strategy. If you're in our time-segmented distribution, you're taking money off of a fixed investment that was not affected by interest rates, was not affected by the markets, and has not lost any money. And that way, you haven't been forced to sell any investments that have gone down in value. And if you've been in that strategy for a while, um, you've had inflation built into that already program that right now is coming out, you know, exactly where you're at, and you're not having to change things, you know, as far as taking additional money, because that's already been built into it. So it's worked, it's worked well, you just have to research and find out what works for you. 
um, and then look at what the alternative strategies are to distribute money in retirement um, based upon what your objectives are and what you want to get done with it. Sure. So there's many different ways to do it. You know, I've got my preferences because I've been doing this for 30 years, Steve, so I've kind of seen it all. I know what works well based upon how people spend money in retirement. Um, but you've got you've to make that decision yourself. We can guide you. We can help you. We can explain what those different choices are. You can ask questions. Uh, and, you know, we come up with a solution that's custom tiered to you and your situation. You know, there's not one right cookie cutter approach to planning out somebody's retirement because we all want to do different things. Well, exactly. But we all want to essentially arrive at the same place. Yes. In right. other words, with enough money to, to take us all the way through to, uh, you know, when we're not here anymore. Yep. So with that, I will leave that for today's discussion. And yeah, you earmark this for a year from now and we'll see how right I was. And I think it should become apparent a lot sooner than a year from now. I would say six months from now, we'll have a pretty good, I think, uh, vision in terms of what things are looking like. All right. I, well, think, I think things are going to clear up quite a bit six months from now. All right. Well, let's talk in December then. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll talk every. Well, every, we talk every week, but uh, yeah, yeah. In any case, well, I'll you know, like I said, I'm going to mark this uh, and uh, pull it out, and we'll uh, we'll we'll uh, review it. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, you guys have a great rest of whatever you are doing, and uh, thank you for listening. Remark on money. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. EFS Group and the Securities America companies are unaffiliated. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. If you remember these TV shows, you're getting ready to retire. Whenever I see a big pair of feet or a cheesy mustache, I'll think of you. You got spunk. I hate spunk. I'm one guy who ain't prejudiced against anybody who uh, may be less superior than me. It kind of sneaks up on you, doesn't it? Oh, gee. You deserve a secure, independent retirement. A retirement that is prepared to handle pitfalls like inflation, health emergencies, stock market volatility, and taxation. You've worked hard for your money and will work just as hard to protect it and grow it. Retirement planning doesn't have to be difficult. Get the facts-based approach that you deserve, all at no cost, with no obligation. Call Mark Eels at EFS Wealth Management, 712-224-4651. 712-224-4651 or log on to EFS4U.com. EFS, the number 4U.com.